0: All right, welcome to Round Table episode three. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Episode three. Yeah, I'm your host, Brock Crichton. I'm here with Lance Clark. Hello. And we have a special guest today, Dylan Curl. Thanks he's for having a, me. He's the newest member of, uh, of our team, and we're excited to have him. So we wanted to, um, yeah, just introduce introduce you. Uh, and then uh, I have some specific, specific questions I want to ask you and I want there's things that you are very very I find I I say gifted like you're very good at thank you <laughs> and I want to um, I want to kind of expel that I want to grab that and kind of figure out how what is you know what is your experience or how what's your secrets on 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 some of those those things the skills that you have but maybe before I Jump into that. Just tell us a little bit about kind of how you got, you know, here. How you kind of came to,
1: I guess, end up here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good question. I've had kind of a unique journey, and looking back at my journey, I feel like you know it's definitely unorthodox, and I think sometimes I regret it because I've taken probably a harder path than I had to, and I've you know made a lot of decisions or took a lot of jobs that aren't Normal like I found really weird opportunities, but I kind of like that Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I went to I, I graduated from the University of Lethbridge. I took business management. I originally went into accounting I got a diploma there in accounting and I excelled in it like I got straight A's Thought I want to do accounting You know towards this senior level classes. I almost I almost completed all the classes Like I could go work toward my designation if I wanted to like right now, but I realized, you know, yeah, I'm good at this, but it sucks. Like it's really boring. And I talked to some professionals actually, and they, like a dear friend of mine, he said that accountants are the lowest paid professionals. So that kind of was like, ah, that's not me. Like I, I kind of dream big and I think that's probably where my creativity and my, you know, desires come from is I like doing things on a big scale. Like I can't think small. Um, I, I just don't. I almost don't have the capacity to do so. Like even like little details, I'll forget little things in my life like really easily. Like you know, I'll forget where my keys are or my phone is because I'm just not focused on those things, right? I kind of get hyper focused on you know bigger, higher level ideas and concepts. Um, anyway, so I graduated from U of L. Um, I took a marketing internship for a few months. It went really well. I was offered a full time job to go into sales um, for the guy. It was a smaller digital marketing agency. I rejected the offer. I just didn't see myself working with the boss. He wasn't, um, he was a great guy. He just, just didn't really see it as it could fit. And then I moved out to Vancouver and I didn't have a job at the time. I just know I wanted change. So I was kind of growing tired of Edmonton and Alberta and BC and Vancouver's beautiful. So we made the trek out there. My wife was a little nervous cause she, we were, she, we just had a baby, our first kid and she had, Worked as a dental hygienist for a couple years. We had some savings. And I was relatively, you know, new grad. So anyways, we took the leap of faith, moved out to Vancouver. And uh, I had a few interviews with TELUS for like a, some consulting work, which was like a really good lead. I had a good referral. I didn't end up going through, well, didn't have enough experience. Like I was definitely qualified for the job. I just, yeah, anyways, it didn't pan out. And I, I found a consulting internship. So... <laughs> So this is an interesting story, but, uh, you know, I guess this organization that I did consulting with, they posted their job ad on Craigslist. Like, so, you know, there's not a lot of applicants coming through. So I was probably one of the only applicants. And they're pretty, like, they're a decent-sized organization. They just do some things backwards, and they're kind of old school. Um, anyway, so I, I went in for an interview, and it was a contract position, so they were looking to purchase a social enterprise and um they were about to go through with the purchase so they just wanted to hire a consultant do an analysis on the purchase to make sure it was a good bet and i had some a little bit of i mean finance background kind of like no real world experience like i probably like looking back at it i definitely wasn't the best candidate like there's there'd be endless number of you know be, if you would have posted the job in indeed they would probably have had hundreds of applicants you know, with 10, 15 years of experience. But mm-hmm. I just kind of locked into the position. and uh,
0: I was just, Yeah, okay. Sorry. I have a question, but I'm going to
1: no. carry on. I'm <laughs> going <laughs> to note that. And I'm
0: going to make yeah. sure I have also... it.
1: Anyway, so the this organization was going to purchase a social enterprise. And the guy had done a valuation. It was a few hundred thousand or whatever. And the guy wanted um, 50% up front. And they essentially he'd give them a loan pay out based off the operations you know give him money and he had he had a small it was a coffee and tea company and they had I can't i was disclose the name but he had a small client base it wasn't huge definitely overvalued the business and so I started doing like no one really it would have been an awful decision if they would have made the purchase like it would have been awful they would have wasted a ton of money um, the business wasn't you know financially booming in any way like it had some profits, but the guy valued like his goodwill at like forty-five thousand dollars. Like he didn't have forty-five thousand dollars. His brand wasn't that strong, not even close. Like you know, I could have replicated the brand in a day, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, obviously he had had some sales, which was good, but and also the biggest thing was a cultural fit. So they wanted to purchase the the enter this this uh, enterprise so they could have some of their clients who suffer with. You know, various issues. A lot of them are fleeing abuse or homelessness, things like this. Like low end employment, kind of entry level employment, not a lot of schooling or skills yet. Um, and then this would be a natural transition. They could, you know, sell the tea. They could, you know, mm-hmm. do the packaging, make it, whatever is involved in the process. Um, so I mean, it it kind of made sense to them. That's why they were. I think they kind of had their eyes were a little glossy and they were a little over ambitious, but. like I understood it was a bad purchase I didn't need a lot of experience to do that like right off the bat within a few weeks I understood this is a terrible idea like don't go through with it Mm. but they took it took time for me to convince them of that right because they were they wanted it so bad so I essentially did analysis for like two months so I looked at his books I looked at different ratios so I mean the stuff I learned in school helped a little bit but I kind of just self taught like how to know you know this is a good purchase kind of thing looked at the market the upside Um, and then, you know, I came up essentially with a, a long report stating, this is a bad decision. Don't do it. And I, I presented to the board of directors, which is kind of for a new grad presenting to like a really experienced board, like lawyers and, you know, managers and whatever high level individuals at the time. And they liked the presentation and I suggested a few alternatives, um, of what they could do. Um, nothing really ever panned out. Anyway, so my contract finished. Um, I did some in between that. Sorry, that was a long. No, no, no. It was no. It was I, I plug, but, it, yeah, no, um, I, I like it. it Anyways, did a bunch of. It, what we're talking about. Started a venture with uh, like my best friend and writing some content, selling courses in China. At one point, we actually I could talk like some really interesting, unique experiences in Vancouver, like. Yeah, like we tried raising money, and we pitched this group of investors at a um, cafe. So these Chinese, very wealthy Chinese people, they get together at this cafe and hear business pitches um, from for Chinese-based companies. And the people, like these individuals, their net worth is through the roof. Are, sure. you, are your friends – was your friend Chinese? Yeah. Okay. So no, no, no. Not my best friend, but we had a third partner who was Chinese. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it just kind of all happened really quick. And I actually started getting into the space, um, the ESL space, because I had a when I worked at the marketing company, I had a friend who was Chinese. So I was just curious about his experience learning English. And long story short, it's like boring and expensive, right? And I was like, ah, oh, there's got to be a solution that's better, right? So I started started doing research, and then while I was doing consulting, I came to come up with these concepts, and we started building and writing stuff along the way, and we were shooting different. Um, video and stuff, creating courses, and just kind of playing to see what the market might want, and some consulting with students, etc. And um, so this was all
0: with your friend. Your friend. So after um, consulting for it's kind of
1: during and before, during and after. Yeah. So once my consulting contract finished, yeah, I, I stepped into this full time, Re-
0: basically writing, creating content. Yes. For. China. and originally China yeah and so you're going to these Chinese investors exactly and, yeah and pitching it to them okay yeah so, so clear it up that's I just it. wanted to make sure I was, <laughs> yeah. I was clear on, on no, the, that's, the yeah.
1: timeline yeah and then it was going really well like we I mean, we had a really talented group and like my my best buddy who I was partnered with like he's super good with people like he's the best salesman you could possibly find and uh, super charismatic and then our third partner the Chinese lady really brilliant like she she worked in investments but she also wrote like some content in the past ESL content she sold her own books and she has like a few hundred thousand dollars in sales over the last few years Um, publishers really gouge authors and they take almost all the cut but i mean she her book was like really popular and she's incredible like one of the most talented people i've ever met and we all the three of us got along really well Um, we started to pick up traction and Long story short, we started selling our first course in China, and the partnership fell apart. So um, my best buddy, he moved back to Australia. Um, there were just some family issues there. And then um, my Chinese partner had uh, some also some issues at the same time. It's just kind of like a perfect storm of everything going wrong all at once. And like it was right when we were launching our first product on the market. So like we're still getting revenue from it. I'm not. To be, <laughs> but, be clear. Yes, to be clear. But, I mean, there's no hard feelings or anything. And, anyway, so I was kind of, I didn't have a job. So, I started to apply to some places. And I just decided to move on from this venture. I was like, no, I'm done. Screw it. Started applying some places. And uh, got a, f- started an interviewing. Actually, I saw a posting from the old organization I was with. And uh, they were looking for a consultant again. They actually ended up reaching out to me the executive director we had a really good relationship and said hey look like one of their programs so one of their this was a new program they got, they got funding for it was to help house homeless people so long story short in Vancouver the average homeless person takes um, over takes spends I don't know it's worth over $64,000 that's how much government money is spent on someone on the streets on average obviously like the spectrum you know the the mm-hmm. The people on the on the one end of the spectrum, on the high end, like they're spending probably you know maybe one or two hundred thousand. Low end, it's very little, but you know that's what the average is. Obviously, the more high risk, you know, the the more money that's spent. So, emergency services, um, you know, policing, jail, uh, the you know, giving out free needles, stuff like that. It's all very expensive. Nurses, doctors. We're talking about really professional people you know, nonprofits like this organization providing services. So it's incredibly expensive. So the government has an initiative in the kind of the world. There's a lot of organizations that adopted this housing first model. So this program, it was like a year and a half old. They weren't seeing any success. Like they weren't housing anybody and they were being funded. Mm-hmm. It's kind of trickled down. They got the government service Canada fund this one organization who then essentially hires out other agencies to run programs to accomplish this task of helping to house homeless people so you know if they're in the home then they provide wraparound services they're more stable they're less likely to you know be on the streets and costing taxpayer dollars and it's a good thing to do so anyway so this organization wasn't seeing any success so again like i don't i mean i had experience in nonprofit for my church for two years but it's not like kind of a new project i guess and you know, obviously I kind of saved them from you know some mistakes before so they took me on again and uh, initially the project was like three or four months I think the consulting contract anyway so we quickly turned around everything like we uh, I'm really proud of the work we did so I did a bunch of analysis on like employee turn so I mean the, the biggest issue was so much uh, like not the program itself but it was the employees the processes and There was little execution and it was a really toxic culture and uh, and so I came and I did a bunch of analysis I did interviews with employees on what they thought could be fixed I did analysis on the numbers of the program I essentially just did as much research as possible into the organization itself and also into this program and to programs that were successfully running the same model so I kind of saw the gaps right and I saw their numbers, saw our numbers, and clearly there's a huge problem. And they're investing – you know, this program alone probably got, I don't know, four or $500,000 a year for a few employees to house people. And if you're not housing anyone, you know, it's – morally it just seems absurd, right? Like anyway, so did some analysis and we, I presented some some changes that, to the board and to the executive director um, and we kind of cleaned house for staff. And they actually offered me the position to run the program and implement the changes that I'd recommended. I didn't have a job, so I was like, "Yeah, sure." Like, it's not like I meant to fire the program manager and take over mm-hmm. his or her job, mm-hmm. but um, it just kind of happened that way. And when we implemented the changes, you know, we got rid of paper. We implemented some like CRM software, and you know, other you know just. I guess management tools. Yeah. Management tools. tools. Yeah. And we cleaned up some processes. We cut out a lot of fat, Mm -hmm. a lot of wasted time. And we took a team of five, went down to like two for some time. And we literally like tripled, quadrupled the numbers kind of overnight. And I I think by the end, I worked there as the, I guess the program manager after my consulting contract for probably like just over a year. And in Mm -hmm. that year, um, you know, just 12 months alone, we tripled the production they had in 18 months and it was like, it was growing exponentially, right? So we weren't right. having problems like right. it and like the money we saved the government was millions of dollars. Like we were housing sometimes six, seven people a month. So it's like literally over years, like keeping that person off right. the street, we're saving the taxpayers millions of dollars. And so them investing 400 whatever K into our program is an st- awesome return on investment because we're, we're, mm-hmm you know, and and it got, it got to the point where like our processes were so efficient that I found myself, I had a lot of free time. Like, and I guess the main thing I I learned and I guess it was kind of taking a creative approach and an objective approach and not getting emotionally attached to anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was a, it was a neat experience and kind of a unique consulting work. And I, you know, and I feel like, you know, the same principles apply for for profit businesses, right? Like it's, The principles, you know, keeping things simple and, you know, focusing on, you know, hyper focusing on the thing you makes you the most money, you know, these same principles, you know, Mm -hmm. can relate to anything in in life really. So, and then long story short, after that, I started my most recent project, uh, Phonics VR. So had all this industry, industry knowledge in the ESL space and connections. And I had done so much research into like early language acquisition for children and come across some really cool research. Um, um, yeah and so we're creating a Phonics VR is my company a virtual reality English language learning tool with speech recognition so we target children between 3 and 7 um, and we this is a supplementary tool so if they already have classes they're taking in preschool or wherever um, this supplements that so it gives them a real simulates re- like you're studying abroad essentially from home and it's fun we have animated characters they interact with the characters um, with a speech recognition we can pull a lot of data and produce reports for parents and teachers and just a really effective tool and it's all based off research and there's really not the way most people teach language is like really poor it's focused on ex- explicit methods whereas we you know we have an implicit model and we expose them to -to face-to-face interactions, simulate that face-to-face interaction, which is so crucial for children learning language. Like, If you look at the graph for language acquisition, like essentially till you're seven years old, it's, you can acquire language with little to no effort. After seven, it drops dramatically and it just keeps dropping. So by the time you're like 18, it's almost impossible to become fluent in a new language. Wow. So.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So it was really all about exposing them to the phonemes of the sounds. And there's a lot of research. I won't get too into it. It's pretty technical, but it's it's incredible. Like infants can pick up a language in no time. And obviously we can't sell products to infants, otherwise we would. Because they could learn the language and you know just an example. So, you know, they this one study was done. They took 12 Caucasian infants at one year old and they exposed them to a Mandarin speaker for 12 sessions. At the end of the 12 sessions, these 12 Caucasian babies knew Mandarin just as good as babies who grew up in a Mandarin-speaking home. 12 sessions, so that's probably I don't know, probably 45 minutes to an hour, just interaction. They tried the same thing with television, had no results whatsoever. Not, a, they didn't learn a thing.
2: Because you're not like interacting with it. Yes. It's just like a moving picture, literally. Yeah,
1: moving picture. So there's okay. there's no, and I don't I mean I don't know why, but I guess the brain doesn't pick it up. So essentially, babies they. Each language has phonemes or sounds. And um, amongst all languages, I don't know how many phonemes are, but English has 44. Um, Chinese Mandarin probably has like 30 some, 33 or something like that. Um, a baby's brain takes statistics on which sounds they hear. So there's all these languages, so probably hundreds of different sounds. They take statistics on which ones they hear the most. And the brain starts to forget the other sounds. So as it yeah. forgets, so the synapses in the brain you know, hold essentially their pockets of information, essentially you can call upon. And those synapses are essentially deleted from the brain as the child ages. So it's during synap it's called synaptic pruning. So between two and three of this happens. So mm. as you age and those synapses are essentially those, you know, the ability or the capacity to discriminate between a certain sound or produce that sound, it's taken away. Like you lose that ability as you age. So, you know, the foundation for language of becoming fluent is done in between two to three. And really, I guess you have a little bit more leeway where, you know, through repetition, you can build those synapses back up until around seven. But after that is, yeah, big.
2: So so those, like, it was 12 Caucasian? 12 babies, Caucasian you, babies, yeah. Did they have an accent afterwards? Or could they just, like, speak Mandarin? Yeah, I mean, one-year-olds don't really yeah, speak. I, yeah, I know, that's yeah, why I was like. So they, have, they
1: hook their brains up to, like, these sensors and they see which, like certain, if right. they the hear the language, um, yeah, this is the reaction. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it's all reactive. And like, like, yeah. So they'll they'll hear a certain sound or a word, and they'll react to it. Like they'll move their head and turn to look at this, the where the noise is coming from. Whereas if they didn't learn the language, they wouldn't turn their head at all. Like um, if they didn't learn the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. So cool. yeah, it's um, yeah, pretty fascinating stuff.
0: So I guess um, on that just a quick question about it. so you're so the Phonics VR essentially is trying to uh, create an interactive experience because so, I was going to say like when you're if, you're if you're looking through a headset and you're watching you know TV yeah. really what you're, how are you sort of merging those two right. where it's a visual experience but also like an in-person sort of experience
1: right yeah I guess at first it is important to know that kids will learn from TV as they age so it's those infants that don't but okay, essentially what right. we're trying to do is replicate face-to-face human interaction in real environments. And right. there's also studies that show that um, children have a hard time distinguishing between real memories and virtual mm-hmm. reality memories. So between you know those two pieces of research we thought, okay, we could probably replicate human interaction. And you know instead of sending your kid to Canada or North America to learn English and pick up the accent and be able to discriminate between the phonemes and such, Right? or having a tutor speak with them online, you know, we can kind of bring North America to them with the VR. Mm-hmm. And so it's a real application for VR. They don't have to do it in the goggles, but, mm-hmm. and then the speech recognition is kind of an added bonus where we can actually grade and you know, we can see how they're progressing and their ability to discriminate between the sounds and also produce the sounds. Ultimately, hopefully you know, negating any accent at all. So when they speak in English, they can have an English accent. Speak in Mandarin, they can have an, a Mandarin accent. So. Sweet. that's that's really cool.
0: Yeah, really cool. I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm I like the way you, you I think that would be somebody just needs to listen to that podcast. You know, investors or you know, and I think that that's a a, a really good
1: yeah. You know, it's actually product like, that you've made. It's really like honestly, if it so we actually have some universities lined up to study the product once we have enough content. Cause it's so mm-hmm. expensive to make and. You know we're just kind of chipping away at it but like it very well could be an incredibly effective way for kids to learn mm-hmm. a language mm-hmm. and it could change the way mm-hmm. we you know view language learning and it's fun for them like they don't actually know they're learning right like they're they're completing tasks and it can like a video game or a story and we we film in 360 and we insert these animated characters and real actors into it and it's just fun for mm-hmm. kids so that's amazing. And, and I guess it begs the question, I mean,
0: this is like this is quite an, an endeavor that you're taking on and uh, you've got, you know, a solid team as part of uh, Phonics VR and kind of the, the inroads you're making in, in uh, other countries, you know, uh, specifically Taiwan and China and, and even mm-hmm. into the United States. So, I mean, I guess it begs the question, what brings you, <laughs>
1: what brought you... Uh, here, i guess yeah so i think you want to work with people who are you know like-minded and who you can connect with and you know when i met you brock a few years ago i was impressed it was in a public setting he's doing some public speaking i remember he's like really funny and witty and then years go by we run into each other again i don't remember that <laughs> <laughs> i remember like i just think i'm like oh this guy's funny like anyway so years later you know we kind of just ran into each other and I was curious about how your business is doing and we started talking more and more. And I was interested in getting some video work done for my company, so we set up a time to meet and I started sharing the ins and outs of my business and the video, specifically the video work that I needed done, um, quite complex. And so I was getting, you know, your advice on it. And then I guess one thing led to another. You started talking about your own business and I started to show a lot of interest and I, w- I was actually interested. <laughs> I wasn't faking it (laughs) and uh, yeah I guess we kind of were strategizing together for each other's businesses and ultimately that led to me coming on board and and working for you You Now I'm full time here and you know I've really enjoyed my time working with you and you know I'm excited I think the projects that you've taken on are very dynamic and um, intrigues me each project is very unique and kind of the work that I've done in the past and yeah, I'm glad to be working with you.
0: Well, we're super excited to, to have you on board. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's obviously clear, like, wh- you know, what you've, the skill set you have, what you've done. I knew after we had, probably the second time, when you come back from Vancouver and we had started talking, um, you know, I was like, I have to hire this guy. Like, I need, I need him as proper. On my team. Like, uh, I think I told your wife that. I was like, I gotta... When we were after we were yeah. talking, she came out. I'm like, I got
1: Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, I need to hire yeah, this guy or something. Yeah, yeah I do remember, yeah. So,
0: I mean, I just... After hearing all that, it's kind of... It's humbling because of, of everything you're doing and everything you've done. And I think, you know, we're extremely lucky to to have you. And that sort of goes into why we talked... Why I got you to introduce yourself. And, and now that you're here with us, I wanted to talk to you... You know there's things that I've seen in you Dylan um, you know that are I think are exceptional you know so I kind of wanted to just like kind of maybe pick and choose a couple of the things I've noticed that you're exceptionally good at and ultimately I think things that you're gonna you know help us with but also things that um, you know could potentially help our clients as well so um, I'll start off like last last week, we had Daniel, or episode two, we had Daniel Sanchez, uh, who you know, is, is, I, I just, he's a very gifted um, uh, people person, basically. And he can, he can engage with anybody, and he can make them feel really good about themselves, comfortable, comfortable, and, but he's also extremely knowledgeable, and he really has a passion for, you know, for business, specifically, and, 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 uh, you know, marketing, and, and and uh, you know, helping businesses flourish. And and by the time he's, by the time he's you know spoken with somebody for ten minutes, you know, if the topic does get onto this topic of business and they're a struggling business person, usually they want further advice, right? Consulting from him. So I asked him last week. You know, so what what's your secret? How can you how do you make that relationship with people? And and what what kinds of things? Um, you know how do you get your client how do you how can you get business so nice. um, that's something I think you know you're also very very good at but it also in my interview with him last week it kind of begged the question of, okay so we've talked about how do we you know build relationships with people and, and sort of earn their business but one of the questions that came up was well okay so that's all good But how do you know know, which person or which businesses to, you know, to find. So it's funny because you talked about, one of the things you talked about was this, the, when you worked, at, I don't know the organization's name, but out in, out in uh, you know, the housing, the housing first thing yeah. that you're working on, you said that they had advertised in Craigslist mm-hmm. and you're like, and I think it was just luck that I had, and I was, it was just luck that I had, you know, stumbled upon her, but I'm like, was that luck or did he know that, potentially good companies might be advertising on a <laughs> less than popular right. platform and he's just, he cherry picked. He's just like he was, he knew there wouldn't be a lot of people applying. Mm-hmm.
1: So the other aspect is... That's that's really interesting that you say that because like I never thought it. like I actually had that thought before and that's why yeah. I looked on Craigslist but kind of being self-reflecting like oh maybe that's a good way to look for jobs, right? Like instead of competing with a hundred other applicants you know find ways to not compete with anyone you know present yourself yeah and be the be the guy for the position
0: And I think before you started working with me, you were working at uh, for a company a renovation company yeah and when the I applicant. had actually when I had met you again when you come back from Vancouver asked you what you're up to and you were actually generating leads for this renovation company yeah so I remember asking you,
1: because I, I just
0: thought, wow, like he's, you were basically knocking doors and, and you know, putting together, a, I think the plan was to put together a sales team, but you really, I don't think even needed to do that because you could, you were going out and finding leads for this company. And your 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 statistic was honestly phenomenal. Like it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Like I've never, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of, of a success, success that you had.
1: Yeah. So... I've been working part-time for a home renovations company. And that's the other thing, part-time. Yeah. so it's not I, even like you're out full-time. I, two hours a day. So when I first started Funks VR, right, I needed income when I moved back to Edmonton. and I mean, I started Funks VR in Vancouver, but okay. uh, when I came back to Edmonton, I needed income. It was cheaper to live here. That's why I moved here, you know, because I was building the startup and focused on the startup. You know, how can I, not making any money yet, we're pre-revenue, how can I make, you know, at <laughs> least four grand a month pay for my family's needs and i don't and i want to work full-time in my business so i mm. i picked up this position which i did through college which was amazing because i was same thing i'd work for a couple hours a day make a bunch of money and you know have summers off and get a party with my friends or go to the lake and go boating and stuff like that right so totally an awesome gig if you can do it and stomach it but mm. yeah so i mean a lot of it is learned through i think through experience. i didn't do any formal training but I think how I f- have a really good high converting you know conversion ratio I guess is I quickly identified when I first started like I was knocking every door mm-hmm. and you quickly learn you know there's certain people who buy and there's certain people who don't right so learning first how to qualify people and and also identifying you know who are the buyers What does the typical customer look like so for this particular company you know older 50 plus, ideally even retired, who has the mortgage paid off. They're okay, you know, to spend a little bit of money on renovations. They they don't like using the internet ideally because then they, you know, most people, younger people will call three or four companies, get, you know, three or four quotes and they don't get it done for three years. So you waste your time, you know, running around giving everyone quotes and you can't close anybody. So we had a very specific targeted demographic that we were going for and um, you know, shorter sales cycle, they have the money, they don't want to skimp out on price or the margins are much better. It's um, so like it was visual cues for us, right? Like there's a Buick out front, the lawn's mowed and, you know, it's right. very neatly kept and there's some flowers growing hmm. and there's some right. home in the middle of the day. Like, you know, the, the hours too, I'm not going to knock at five because I'm going to talk to everyone and waste all my time and not get hmm. the... right. You know, the clients we're looking for is people are, retired people are home during the day. They like to mow the lawn, they're outside, they're, you know, it's well-kept. So there's, there's you know, very distinct visual cues. And also I'm not gonna knock on, if if I know it's, you know, if I see a buke out front, it's a really nicely cut lawn and their house is all renovated, I'm not gonna go talk to them too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so instead of knocking, you know, I first started knocking on every single door, wasting all my time, I'll just walk, you know, down a block and I'm only not, I might only knock on one or two doors. Mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. then if you know who you're targeting then the chances of success go out you know substantially and you know then if you know how to qualify and what to say then it's pretty much a shoot you know i think it's overstated the importance of building a relationship with someone when you're mm-hmm. in business you're there for business you're there to make mm-hmm. money and they know that and i think if you try to you know build this relationship even if you are mm-hmm. genuine you really want to get to know them mm-hmm. like if you happen to be one of those mm-hmm. unique people who loves everyone, which mm-hmm. I think most people don't, mm-hmm. like I just go straight to business mm-hmm. and just really straight up them establish expectations up front. Like I'm not there to be their friend. They know that I know that, and even vo- so like vocalizing things like that is very, you know, can be really impactful for people.
0: Yeah, which kind of it's you know this is a nice polarity. And Danny had said, if there's no polarity, you don't make an impact. So this sure. is perfect because it deep, you know yeah. we were very much. Sort of, you know, the, uh, the 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 relation when we talked to Daniel about the relationship and, and making that connection. But I think also what you're coming from is is sort of what we touched on too. Is like if you had caught the last episode, you know, we talked about you know we use melons or watermelons as an example. Whereas if you just, you know, when have you talked when have you tried to build that connection that relationship much? Because at the end of the day, anybody you talk to, a receptionist or even just even a retired person who is is at home, yeah, you know. They're not necessarily expecting to talk to somebody at the door forever, so they don't expect their time. But don't they, drag it out. Yeah, yeah. Like, so there is a point where you need to, you know, yeah. If you can make a connection, if you can, and if you have those cues that help you to know what what you're getting into, and you're talking to, um, you know, that's that, and that's and great. Yeah. But 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 at the same time, you know, getting to the point yeah. when when you need to, and I think that's probably. Well, in a lot of cold call cases, I think that probably
1: rings Especially true. cold calling, yeah. So that's, I mean, I'm speaking of experience of cold calling, like, right up front, right? When you're make like, I think it's good to connect with people and make relationships, but it depends, you know, how are you defining that relationship, right? A personal relationship is very different than a business relationship, right? Like, mm-hmm. when you're connecting with someone at cold calling, you're there for a business relationship, and you, both of you know why you're there, right? So yeah. trying to make it if a it personal. too
0: personal, it's a little weird. Yeah, or, and inappropriate. And like, and, well, yeah, inappropriate, and...
2: You might be, like, you're hiding the agenda or, yeah, you're just... It's just weird. Sorry. So then, like, with that being said, like, you identified, like, the specific households as, like, that. So how would a business identify another business to, like, approach? Like, would... Like, because that wouldn't necessarily have those, like, specific cues. Right. Visual <laughs> cues. Yeah. yeah. Like, They're very different.
1: Because, like,
2: you go to, a, a, like, an office building and it's an office building kind of thing. So, like, mm-hmm. how would you identify those people in that same kind of situation, but for business to business.
1: Right. Instead of calling every business under the sun who very well probably won't use your services, right? Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. We've had discussions about who you guys have done work for in the past. And then I knew, okay, these are the type of clients that I want to work with a and B, you know, you have similar clients who will have similar jobs and similar, you know, sizes of jobs and contracts that you guys want and they have the network that we want to get into so targeting those customers and going after them and you know getting identifying the decision maker right off the bat and then quickly getting into you know the pitch and i think what i talked about before like helping them understand i'm there for business like i'm not here to mess around and be your friend i don't want to be your friend i don't care Mm -hmm. you know we want your business Mm -hmm. and you want a certain product Uh like and if we happen to build a relationship over time, hey, that's fantastic, but I don't want to get together with coffee and chat about life, right? Like mm-hmm. like if you look at your customer history, right? You know who your ideal like who is our ideal client, age, even gender, like you know who you're selling yeah. to, right? So identifying who and then you know, I think just going after and doing things that are out of the ordinary, like I think if you're willing to, you know, call and keep on following up or even approaching the, you know, dropping by the business, going to mutual events, I think anything to initially create that contact. I mean, as long as you know who what you're selling and who you're selling it to, then you know you can mm-hmm. just replicate that again and again.
0: Nine out of ten people like would not want to do door-to-door sales of any kind. Probably you know, ten out of ten. Regardless. Yeah, like on You're right. Like <laughs> yeah. ninety-nine of I think people,
1: most people who do it still don't want to do it.
0: Yeah. No. It. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Or absolutely.
1: cold call or any sort of
0: yeah. But you're you're saying well. Before I got started, I knocked on you know every single door, and so it was. It really was more of a learning process for you, which I think you know a lot of people don't maybe give themselves that learning opportunity, or they 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 claim I don't like sales or yeah. like so. Sales is hard, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you're saying, but you're so you're saying it was you you had to learn it, like because totally, because yeah. you said some people don't have the stomach for it because you said it's hard. Right. Um, so I I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, if, if, you know, if, if you are looking for business, um, I think I posed the question last time and we actually, we cut it because it wasn't really the question I wanted to ask, but I would, I would ask you, um, because we do, you know, because we do marketing for others and for ourselves, um, in your opinion, you know, what is the best. Is going out and doing sales, the like cold calling, you know, door-to-door business the best way? Or should people be investing in paid ads, you know, Google mm-hmm. paid ads to do the work for them or to whatever, circumvent yeah. that avenue?
1: Like, I mean, that's I think that's a good question. I know you and I, Brock, have talked about this. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, your position where you come from is, like, you feel that you don't want to do too much paid advertising because you have you know, you're a higher level brand. You don't want to, I guess, stoop that, you know, to that. You're not like, you're not a desperate brand. Like, oh, we want anyone and everyone. There's certain type of clients that you want and you, you know, you feel that your, you know, your brand doesn't cater to individuals on, you know, social media or even, you know, paid advertising on search engines and such. Is that? Yeah. I mean, it,
0: you're right. There's a certain, um, I, I, I you know, actually, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, Danny, Danny, uh, of his, something he shared with me honestly changed my business forever one of the things he taught me sounds epic and yeah <laughs> it's a so, huge build up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so tune in next time. No, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you now Um it was it was amazing so here I am just me photog- just me my, um, by myself mm-hmm. I have you know I've just sort of because I, I have a background where I've, I've worked at a couple Agencies, while always doing my photography on the side, and mm-hmm. now I'm getting in—you know—I was getting into just really doing not just photography but commercial, corporate photography full time. Because I, had, you know, I suppose I could have been able to do it with weddings and right. family, but I want—I really want a special with bigger house. contracts. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really pushing to be able to make this work full time, and I'm—you know—I'm doing—I'm doing all sorts of like architecture headshots, mm. and I'm like, okay, I got this headshot thing down, and I create this little flyer. You know, it was like a little thing you could stick it just in an envelope. Mm-hmm. It was, was going to be paper right. and it had three really nice headshots on it. And it had this, you know, whatever head, you know, my company name and a and list of the things I do. And at the end, you could, at the back, there was a the scissor mark. You could cut there was an offer. Yeah, nice. And it was like three packages of headshots. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I'm going to just blast this out to every company. And, and I, so I was getting feedback and I showed it to Danny and he he says, you want my honest opinion? I'm like, please lie to me so I can fail the business. <laughs> um, I said, yeah, I want your your opinion. He says, you you send that out, you ruin your brand. And I was like, it was like truth to the heart. Because I, I realized that, he's like, you're forever going to be known as the headshot guy. You're going to forever yeah. be sort of this, it's like, it's, you know, it's like the flyers you get in in, in the mail. You get them and you, I don't, I don't, I don't. It doesn't reek right. what What the, the
1: product yeah. that you want to offer yeah. and the service you want to offer. You don't see like yeah. diesel jeans or like
0: Prada, I don't know, sending out flyers. Yeah. It Louis, like, it's like the, it's, like, oh yeah, yeah, here's this special deal. Well, cause it's a waste
1: of their marketing dollars yeah. to advertise to the common person. Exactly. Yeah. You don't so, want to advertise to the common person because exactly. you're a higher end that, product. So that's exactly. what I
0: realized is I don't want to be, I you know, I don't, yeah, I want to be dealing with companies. I want to be dealing with businesses that expect, or, or want a certain kind of quality? They mm-hmm. expect the time, the the process to be there. The They'll time skip to go out
1: on price and energy and yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah,
0: and yeah. So I guess yeah. I mean, it really depends. Like if you're a furnace company, I get fur, you know, like or a, or a, a window company, and you are marketing the common now. Well, that may make sense for your business. Right. So I guess that was like my what we're you know, ultimately, you know, I'm asking. You know, maybe for other people who are, are into, you know, they think social media is the way to go, or Google yeah. paid ads, or what you know, TV and newspapers. So that would be, you know, the question yeah. that we would ask, I, yeah. I think people would ask is like, what should I do for yeah. my marketing? I guess it depends on the company. Yeah, I think it
1: all depends on the the company and the the offering, and also the, you know, I guess this the budget of the company and the data the data. Like if, if you get a return on investment. You know, where's your best return on investment for time and energy? So like is it cold calls? Is it dropping by businesses? Is it Facebook ads? Like maybe it does work. And you know, if you're not open it to tarnish your brand. Actually I remember I read a quote once. I don't necessarily agree with this but Elon Musk essentially said you know, create a product so good that it'll market itself essentially like don't pay for marketing like you're stupid if you pay for marketing mm. it's kind of the message you're yeah. sending so for us it's like let our pictures speak themselves. yeah and I don't I don't agree with it because like yeah of course because it's Tesla and it's you know with the first electric car that was like viable and you know scalable to some but, degree
0: but you but you say it you say it like oh but it's Tesla Tesla's right. Done a, so that's ultimately that's what I realized. It's but it's like, a product
1: where, but the thing is, he can differentiate himself because of his technology, so much advanced. Mm-hmm. Like someone like you mm-hmm. guys who's offering services that other companies offer, mm-hmm. how do you do? Like, yes, the work will speak for itself. Right. But you got to do some sort of sales and marketing. Like, marketing is such a huge business. Google, Facebook, mm-hmm. like, Instagram, these companies are based, they're marketing companies and they're huge companies. Like, yeah. there's so much money in marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess Tesla's
2: kind of like monopolized. That yeah, like kind of car like right. specific thing where we're like like being photography, video, design yeah. stuff. It's like oh, like why would we hire you guys as opposed to these guys? What kind of thing. And that's I think that's a really good point that you bring up because
0: that's what I'm finding too. Is that how do you if, differentiate if, yourself? If we market yeah. ourselves as photo, video, design, we're not differentiating ourselves at all. Exactly, we're right. a commodity just like everybody else. Right. And so they may as well go find somebody else who can do it better, do it cheaper. So that's ultimately mm. the goal of my, of our company what we would what we you know want to establish and i think that's the point i think that's the point i'm getting at is that um, you know you want to be the tesla of your industry right, right? totally want to but at the same time like you said you know it's sometimes a journey a voyage to get there totally. and you know there's we'll so many other branding good, and there's so many yeah. other good photographers and marketing agencies out there but at the same time we want to do it too there's a lot of things that they do. We want to do. Right. We have. We're creative. We want to express that creativity, and it's a catch too, right? Because, uh, you know, in order to get, um, in order to get the work, you need to market. Right. So in order to market, you need to spend right. money yeah. to do it. So, so it's one of those things. Getting, getting to that point where you are a Tesla. I don't know. I would be curious to know Elon Musk's story a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll get it, him on the podcast like, soon. <laughs> but that's the thing: is like, yeah. did he? You know, did was he building up to be the Elon Musk that he is today? Was he building up to creating a Tesla? Like, did he? Start out and was he marketing another business and services
1: to a point where he became that, or was he just automatically? And I think that I think if you're innovative enough, yeah, sure, the marketing and the publicity and everything that you need, you find your target market, you know, kind of automatically, I guess. But for most businesses, even what you know we're building at Phonics VR is, yeah, it's very innovative, but we still have to put ourselves in front of people. Right? Like, yeah. I'm sure at some point Elon Musk put himself in, like, he had to show people and start to, you know, even that is sales and marketing, telling people about it, right? Like, and there's so many different channels and avenues, I guess. It really depends on the nature of the business. Yeah. And it's an interesting thought that he brought up, right? Even even
2: his quote for himself is like a sales tactic for himself because it's like showing people's, like, guys, I made such a good product that I don't even have to do anything. Yeah, exactly. But I'm telling you that I don't have to do anything so that is actually my sales tax. Right,
1: Right. and yeah, that's, yeah, it might be. and Maybe that's the thought process. But I guess that's my point is like,
0: we want to be so good that, you know, it does speak for itself. People come to you, yeah. Yeah, because I think that when you are, when you do, maybe there is a, a, I don't know, like my thought is when you do, when you are advertising or you are marketing, depending on how it's done, it can seem like, oh, we. We're a little desperate. We don't right. have enough work. Totally, and you never want to be like those guys. But at the same time, what you're saying is like it, that's a really takes, good point. Actually, it yeah. takes time to become the Tesla or to become the leaders in your industry. And like you said, you can't get you know something. You have to start somewhere, right? And no one just becomes something right out of the, the womb. Like yeah, to become an amazing where you might have DNA innate but you have to work towards it. Right. So so it's I guess it's finding that balance and finding that milieu where. You're just being true to who you are. Mm-hmm. Like you're not being too prideful that you're not going to market, and you're just going to like not have any business. But you're also not going to like, you know, like whore yourself out and just, for yeah. lack like of a better term, and just like
1: yeah, it could be the slut of the industry. Yeah, and just be like, <laughs> I'm de- you know, I yeah. need business
0: here. You go. So it's, I think it's fine. And so that's what I've. That's where I'm at is trying to determine. You know. What is the method? I do, and I'm curious yeah. as to know. I guess it, yeah, product positioning.
1: Are. It is a complex. I guess there's probably some truth to what Elon said too, right? Like, it, I guess there's just so many elements. You know, product positioning, pricing strategy. It's just very complex. Question for any business that just mm-hmm. takes time and trial and error. I guess. That's so actually, I'm I'm curious. I have a question for you guys. Like when you talk to someone, do you assume that they're interested in you, or do you assume that they don't care? Yeah, th-
0: I think you're right. The, the the problem that I you know I have, and I think a lot of people do generally, you know, I was uh, is, is an, quote unquote an, the anxiety of you're afraid that you know they're gonna reject me, mm-hmm. and and unfortunately, you know, some of us live with this uh, more than others. But um, but the point is is yeah, some it plagues, plagues up, but you're are absolutely right in the in the sense that like. We have to let go of that because I was saying in the last podcast that on my experience of going in, it's always so much better out you do it. And you're just like, right. Man, people aren't as bad as you think. And right. and that and, and it it comes to like being able and Danny had said you you talked a lot about, you know, knowing your target audience, knowing you know, pinpointing those specific people, you know, the demographic. But on the flip side, it's also knowing yourself mm. and and knowing your value and what you bring right and i think that's part of it and i think the more we can know our value and know our worth um but if you need to get that to gain that confidence like that is just an important part of the
2: equation mm. so yeah so that's my my experience is yeah i get nervous i still get nervous yeah actually it was an interesting thing that brock can also relate to for this because when i actually like applied for this job mm-hmm. i like cold called photographers through email and brock was one of the ones that i looked at and so like i looked at his website and everything and was like oh like his like his photos are like the photos that i want to be taking as Mm -hmm. well kind of thing like they weren't like like ridiculously artistic they were very clean very like pristine looking photos so i looked at that and so i emailed offering like like what i was good at which was like video and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and and then like when he responded back and was like yeah, like, we should, we should meet, like, Mm -hmm. we should sit down and talk kind of thing. I was like, I got, I was so nervous. I was like, oh, man, like, this is the make or break, like, oh, this is, this is so stressful. But my girlfriend was just like, just go and talk to him. It'll be fine. And then as I was, like, driving to meet, I was just like, you know what, like, I just gotta, I'm just gonna just chat. We're just gonna, like, have a conversation. Like, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't want to go in with the expectation of, like, you have to hire me Mm. like I am Mm. I am amazing like you have to hire me kind of thing and like like I went in with the expectation of like let's just see where this goes right so like what you you've spoke of what Danny has spoke of like it's very it is very real and it is very good but yeah like I still find like I like what Brock said like getting nervous like I still find it hard like calling a company and being like hey yeah, hi, we all for photos, like, That's it's like a yeah. nervous, it's a nervous thing and that I need to work on for sure is just to like let that go and, mm-hmm. and I like, I like what you said with let them talk, like, get that, like, get them, be interested in them. Right. Kind of thing. Like, I like that. Like, I think that would help a lot. So it's a, 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 it's, a ba- it's a balance of, of, you know
0: not having any expectation being free and open to what's happening but also being direct Mm -hmm. and knowing what you do want but also not like forcing the situation like there's kind of got to be this like harmonious merge and danny had talked a lot about last time i I believe is uh or he touched on i don't know if he went into detail but it's um he says you know people they might not be the right client for you Mm -hmm. totally um like they might not, and I think so much we're like, staying we
1: open, have, right? yeah, we not pre-deciding to, have, something before, yeah.
0: Or knowing we have to get like, I have, this is the, like qual- like you said, qualifying the people. So it's like finding the people that you are actually, there's, there's no point wasting time. Go like win-win. Yeah, right. well, exactly, where it doesn't make sense. So,
1: there are certain doors I go up to, and when you kind of get in the zone, mm. like you just know you're going to close it. Like, it doesn't matter what this person says, I know I'm getting, I know I'm getting it, right? So, wow. Before you go up? Yeah, you just or feel like, it. like
0: after you... Really?
1: You just feel it. It's See, like...
0: that. That's, yeah. that's... That's... To me, that's a gift. Like, that's more than just... Like, you can't... I don't think you have... Like, well, I guess maybe over time you develop a feeling, a skill that just... You feel it. But it, that's, that's just... And I think like... like I don't crazy. know.
1: People always talk about assuming the sale, right? Like, I think mm. that's a real thing. And, and I think it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to really internalize it and like to feel it. Like I said, like, sometimes you just know... you know you can't explain it you just know I'm gonna get this like you're in the zone you know exactly what to say when Um, you know you know how to react to their concerns you know how to establish expectations bring up price you know it just becomes natural and second nature like you know I've knocked enough doors where I literally don't even think what I'm gonna say like I don't when I'm coming up to a door it's like any I mean when you guys call clients or you're going you usually think oh how will this go what will I say Mm -hmm. whereas if you do it enough it becomes second nature right like you don't think yeah. about... You're just... You're really focused on them, right? Like you're not thinking about what you're going to say and I think that's the worst yeah. sales thing you can do is think about oh, what I'm going to say next, what I'm going to say next where it's just sitting, right. listening and then based off what they say, you know, you might have a few quivers in your you know, that are ready to go and... Or you just, you know, adapt to what they're saying, right? So... I think that these... this These... Leave the last two
0: podcasts and sort of what I've... Would want people to know or what I... And what I've learned... Is that like yeah we got to get out of our heads and if you let go of those expectations mm-hmm. and you're, you know just look at taking the little things that we've talked about that Dylan and Danny and that we've discussed can make you a better um, just help you in your
1: your business
0: mm-hmm. and takes the pressure off you having to make a sale or go do it's just, really what you're doing is you're just you're going out there and you're finding you know, you're finding the the you're finding people. You're finding ways to help others. You know, you're finding yeah. ways to to build a relationship. You're finding out about people and what they want. Yeah. And if there's a fit, great. But you don't need to go in expecting that you're going to be, you know, top. You're going to be selling That's to true, every yeah. single person. It's a,
1: it really is like eternal, and it like most successful people are the ones who've mastered these little things, right? And you know, most people who are successful in their personal relationships tend to be successful at work. If you're successful at work, you tend to be successful, right? It's not mm-hmm. like you can give, you know, one hundred percent to one thing and not, ma- you know, you have to maximize all of your areas of life. Like I've known many people, like people who flourish at sports tend to flourish in business, mm-hmm. you know, and they tend to mm-hmm. flourish in their family relationship. Like if you mm-hmm. if you succeed at one thing, you tend to succeed at everything you do, like, and it's it's. The opposite is true too, right? If you fail yeah. one thing, you—if you have a really crappy home life and you can't, you can't hold together a marriage, how can you hold mm-hmm. together a business? Yeah. You know, or, or maybe the one thing's harder than the other. I don't know. And obviously there will be hiccups and stuff, but like, you know, over the long spectrum, averaging it all out, like, you know, it—these principles ring true.
0: And I was gonna say, you know, I, I think you—and I think you hit on it—and I really, this is, you know, something I admire about you, um, Dylan is like when you said it you said you know i i dream big like i see the big like i have i can't remember exactly but like i s- see the big picture like mm-hmm. i dream big i can't like i can't not i just and th- ultimately like i think that's you know it sounds so cl- cliche but you know don't you know give up on your dreams mm-hmm. you know follow your your dreams and aspirations but like I think having having the belief and then that might sound really cheesy but the point is is like having a belief or a faith that in something that uh, you know that you can be successful and that you will be and yeah. not necessarily expecting it the next day but doing the work yeah. so if you're if you want to Go market your business, and you want and cold calling is a part of that. You need to go out and do it, and because it doesn't just come naturally. But if you have a belief that this is going to help your business, and you've you've done the research into you know the the demographic you want to target, and you've refined your skill set, and you keep pushing towards, then you can get the things that you want, you know, and achieve those goals. So that's I think we'll probably close it at that. I think, but that's I think what I've, you know, why we're extremely lucky to have you helping us is because, and that's what I was going to say is like, that mentality is exactly, I think is a defining core value of, of Crichton. Crichton is seeing, um, opportunity to, like wanting, you know, seeing the big picture or I can't even put it into words because <laughs> I can't even, I, right. it's too big to, to, to sort of put into words, but dreaming big, you know, do that for your clients. Yeah. And like looking for opportunities to make the most of the situation to go above, like to be as big as you can, you know, and not to, not to settle, you know, right. for anything less. So that's ultimately what we want to, like you said, what we want to achieve for, for, uh, for ourselves. And also like, there's nothing better than when a client comes in and, you know, we don't just aren't us hired guns to take pictures and do video or whatever. Like I want them to Tell me who they are, what their Mm -hmm. vision is for their project, what they're trying to accomplish. And then that's where we go to work in trying to understand them and then helping them communicate those messages to others so that they can get their values and vision across so that they can connect with the businesses they want and so on and so forth. So thank you for for joining us today and thank you for for being part of our team. And, um, yeah, I think... uh, that's about it yeah that that wraps it up so um feel free to leave your comments below uh you know share this with your friends we'd love to hear from you and just any 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 comments you have um yeah so stay tuned for more in the coming weeks